Our scripture passage today is taken from Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. This is the Lord's word. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. In this next series of sermons, we are going to go through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to see the encounters Jesus has with varying different people. We're going to see how Jesus loves them. We're going to see how Jesus physically heals them. We're going to see how Jesus rebukes them. We're going to see how Jesus teaches them. We're going to see overall how the kingdom of God becomes manifest in Christ himself. We ourselves should be asking the question, what is the kingdom of God, or even a broader question itself, what kingdom do we live for? What are we trying to build with our own hands and our own lives? What is it that is the goal of everything that we do when we wake up in the morning, get that fresh pot of coffee going, get dressed and get ready to work or get ready for school? What is it that we are working for? When you are younger, you simply do what your parents tell you. And as you get older, you start to ask the questions. What is the purpose of all that I do? For who? For what? What kingdom am I building? Jesus and his encounters with all the people. In a lot of ways, what he's doing is story by story, encounter by encounter, gives us, the reader, the ability to see how Jesus reveals his kingdom piece by piece to varying people in such a way that they themselves are being ministered to, that they can understand according to where their hearts are, but at the same time being nudged and pushed towards thinking a little bit more deeply about what it means to follow the Lord. Each one of you here who are here today, God knows your heart. God knows your circumstances. God knows all that is past, and he alone has a proper interpretation of everything that has happened in the past. And he himself is the one who is preparing beautiful things for you to step into in the future. Each of you as individuals, your duty before the Lord is simply to ask the question, God, what is it that you want from me today? How can I obey you and love you? How can I become more human, more like you? How can I enjoy the fellowship that I have with you? 
And so as we go through all of these encounters, I hope that you see a bit of yourself in it. I hope that Jesus reveals himself to you. I hope that you encounter Christ himself who died on the cross, that same Christ who lives in you, that same Christ who is sanctifying you, and that same Christ who will return to take you home. I pray that with each and every one of these encounters, that your heart opens up to see the the vast, immense love that Jesus has for you. So let's start from the very beginning in Mark, when Jesus himself begins his ministry. A beautiful encounter with his first four disciples. We know that these disciples have heard about Jesus because John the Baptist himself was was preaching throughout the region. He was preaching about the kingdom of God. He was preaching that all have to repent and come unto the Lord himself. We know that John the Baptist was pointing to a person, Jesus himself, who would reign in and bring in, usher in the kingdom of God. And so there was a lot of chatter going on. And so when Jesus revealed himself, everyone knew that this man was different. He was a prophet who spoke in ways that people didn't speak. He was a man who had power that was unlike any of the prophets beforehand. And people were drawn to him. And people wondered, what type of kingdom is he going to usher in? And so as he's walking by, he sees Simon and Andrew, brothers, fishing. He sees James and John mending their nets, fishing as well. And Jesus immediately calls unto them. And he says, follow me, and I will make you become fishers. Of men. I think the most striking thing about this narrative is how quickly these four men dropped everything to follow Jesus. It's just a soccer ball. Don't worry. It wasn't thunder. Uh, how quickly they dropped everything to follow Jesus. And in many ways, when we read this narrative, and someone says to you, listen, Forgo everything you have and follow me. There's only two responses that we we have as people. One is, this is a cult. Stay away from these people. Or the other response has to be, maybe there's something to this person. Maybe there's something to this idea. These four disciples were convinced that this Jesus of Nazareth was someone to be followed without knowing fully what it means to be part of the kingdom of God, without knowing fully all that Jesus would have teach them, they dropped all things to follow God. Now, 
Brothers and sisters, many of you have grown up in the church. Some of you are still trying to figure out who God is himself. This is not saying here that each and every one of you have to give up everything that you have at this very moment and follow God. These 12 apostles, these eventual 12 apostles, were special people called by God to do a service, to preach the word of God, to do miracles. That's very different from what we do today. But there's a sense here of two things that we can take out of this. One, there is a sense of cutting off of the past and looking towards the future. There is a sense of cutting off a former master and following a new master. We as God's people, when we come to the Lord himself, we're not trying to say to Jesus, we want to hold on to Jesus and to the world. What we say to God is we want to hold on to you, Jesus. We want to follow you. And there's a conviction that the Spirit gives us that we no longer belong to the things of this world, but we belong to God himself. We no longer listen to the counsel of this world. We listen to the counsel of God himself. I remember when I was in college, my best friends were non-Christians. So anytime you had advice, we needed advice about like dating or advice about, about health or advice about the world. We had no Google back then, okay? We, we didn't have anything back then, right? We only had people to talk to. Um, you know, I would, it would be so precious to hear their advice, but as I grew in the Lord, you know what happened? The most important things in my life, I sought counsel from whom? As I grew in Christ, it became my circle of friends who knew the Lord. And it was this gradual shift where I realized I need to ask these people for counsel about relationships not these people. I need to depend on them and their prayers. And there was this like subtle but noticeable shift that my allegiance to God has changed the orientation of my heart. And we're only seeing the beginning of this. This is the beginning where the disciples are saying, I will believe in God. I will follow Jesus. And we're going to see as the story goes on, these four disciples, as they learn to trust Jesus step by step, there's an awakening and a realization. What other master do we have, oh God? Who else can we follow but you? And so wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, just say yes to God now and follow him. And as you follow him, God will reveal his grace, his mercy to you. And I guarantee you, one day when you take a step back and you look back at your Christian life, you're going to look back and you're going to say, God, you've, you've always been there. 
Your graciousness has taught me step by step of your love and your mercy. And so, brothers and sisters, first and foremost, say yes to God as your master. Say yes to God as your savior. Walk with him and be surprised when you learn more about his kingdom, his love for you, and your role here at CCPC, in your workplace, and in this world. Two other things to talk about here in this passage. First is, who is it that Jesus calls? Jesus calls fishermen, normal people. All too often when we look for people, for leadership or people to follow, we look for people who are successful in this world. We look for people like a Steve Jobs type of personality someone who's had this, this wild success in this world, that those are the people that we need to, to follow to, 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 to succeed. And too often we think that's the same thing in the church as well. That the church itself should be made of those people who are successful in this world. We often measure each other. And we go, that's a good Christian. That's not a good Christian. That Christian is... Is, is a better Christian than that Christian? You have to ask yourself when you say that, what metrics am I using? Why do I measure that? When Jesus himself looked at the children and says, you need to be like one of these to enter into the kingdom of God. When Jesus himself says the first should be last and the last should be first. When Jesus himself says in the Sermon on the Mount that, that the meek should be the ones who inherit the earth. When in Corinthians chapter 1, Jesus, Paul himself says he chose the weak things in the world to, to shame that which is prideful. That God himself looks upon all of us and that none of us should look at each other as unworthy or unfit for the ministry of God. Now, these fishermen themselves are not the sort of lowest on the totem pole, but they're not the highest either. But they're regular blue collar people who just work for the kingdom of God. I think this is marvelous for all of us to be humble upon who we are and what God has bestowed upon us. In many ways, none of us should overstate whatever vocation we may have. And none of us should understate whatever vocation we have. God's blessed us with whatever work that you do. And whatever work you do do, God still calls you to him. The spiritual giftings to help our church to grow is not the same as the gifts of common grace or the natural gifts that God gives you to work in this world. 
there are many, many, many wonderful leaders of the church who are uneducated, as there are many, many well-educated people who do not lead the church well. God calls the weak. God calls those who we deem as unworthy to lead his church. We're getting a hint, what? Of God's kingdom. We're getting a hint of what God is doing. This kingdom is not like a military. No military would do this. This kingdom is not like some PhD program. No PhD program would pick the worst of the worst. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom, a kingdom where Jesus himself chooses his people. The second thing we start to understand about God's kingdom here is that God calls us at times in the midst of our fruitfulness. See, th these fishermen, they, they, they're successful people. Think of the blue-collar plumbers. Think of the blue-collar um, um, electricians. Think about the people in construction, right? And you, you see that they're all tattered and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you visit their houses, <laughs> these big houses, they drive three beautiful pickup trucks and stuff like that. You know, these blue-collar people, they're not unsuccessful. They're doing well for themselves. In the midst of their success, in the midst of especially James and John trying to learn the family business, God calls you. And God wants us to respond in the midst of not when we're simply not doing well, but when we are doing well, when we are fruitful, when things are going well in our lives. God calls you. God calls these people to themselves. Think about that. You know, when I was growing up, and maybe you guys have the same conversation with your parents as well, I remember growing up and, and my father saying to me, just get your PhD first. I was like, Dad, I don't want a PhD. It's a lot of work. You know, go, go get your whatever degree. And then once you get that degree, once you've reached success, then you can share the gospel with people. I still remember working at this one Korean church and the people that they would, come, they would get to come speak um, to the youth about what it meant to follow the Lord were simply all of these successful people who simply reached their pinnacle and then would share how they would, would serve the Lord themselves. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people like that that God prepares for his kingdom. But if you talk with many of them, they will tell you that there's a regret. And you know what the regret is? On their way to climbing to the top, 
they wasted a lot of their time on building their career and in not building their faith with the Lord. Let me say that again. These people who knew the Lord, their testimony was, I came to the Lord after I succeeded. I realized what, what I was building. In those 15 years, even though I was in med school, even though I was in law school, even though I was building my business, I did nothing for God. And I feel ashamed that I forgot God during those times. Now, some of you might say, that's, that's a little extreme. That makes sense to me. I can, let me work hard, and then I'll come to know God. That's not how it works. That's not God's economy. And just because God does that for one or two people that you might know and you might hear of does not mean that's your path. But I do know this. Just like here in this, in this passage, God calls you today. God calls you today. And in the midst of you striving to do well, to build family, to build your careers, to build your, your resume, whatever it may be, to be able to stop in the midst of that and say, I belong to God. I will serve God in the midst of, of the work that I am doing. I will serve the Lord and give my time to him. I will give the best of my best to him, knowing that whatever God leads me to do, if it's God's will, I will do it. But in no way am I going to waste my time not growing in my love for the Lord by chasing after the things of this world. God calls us and God calls you today, now. And God himself will give you such enjoyment of life and of your pursuits when he becomes the center and the reason for all those things. And who knows? Maybe he likes these four disciples. Some of you will, will leave everything, become pastors, become missionaries, become people who serve the Lord full time with all that they have unto him. Lastly, brothers and sisters in the Lord, I encourage all of you to look at yourselves, the Jesus that you have met already, perhaps the Jesus you're just meeting now. You do not have to have a complete, utter knowledge of who God is. We never will. But God simply wants you to be faithful to the knowledge that he's already given you today. That's it. If you already know that the, God, the, 
The scripture is the word of God. And you know that God says to you, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the God you know. That's the Jesus you know. Go to Jesus. Go to that Jesus. And let him reveal his kingdom to you. If you're someone who just comes to know Jesus right now and you understand your sins and you understand that God needs to, 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 to <coughs> you need his forgiveness. Go to that Jesus right now. But like these disciples, trust him who has chosen you. Trust him who has revealed himself to you. Trust him who loves you. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you call all of us unto yourself. Not just a few elite, not those who are successful in this world, not those who are unsuccessful either, but you call all of us. And we thank you, Lord God, that your kingdom is unlike the kingdoms of this world, unlike the governments of this world, unlike the institutions or corporations of this world. Your kingdom, Lord, is about grace and mercy. Your kingdom, Lord, welcomes all, Lord God. And so, Lord, we come to you, asking you, Lord, to open our eyes to see you face to face to give our lives to you, to trust in you, that you will reveal to us more and more, Lord, of what you desire and what you love, that you, are, you will give us hearts to love more and more of your kingdom and not the kingdom of this world. And in so doing, Lord God, create in us, Lord, a love for you, to create in Lord in us a surety of who we are, a surety of our, of, 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 of our future, an understanding of our past, and a desire to love in the present. So we, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in all things. In your name we pray, amen.